June 12th. And now we begin our reading in the New Testament for today. And our reading takes place in the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 14 through 40. Here's what's going on there. The death of Stephen seemed to be a defeat for the church, but it resulted in some great victories for the Lord. Wherever the believers went, they shared the gospel, and many trusted the Savior. Stephen's witness made a tremendous impression on Saul and was instrumental in his conversion. Like Stephen, Philip was a deacon who was also an evangelist, and God led him to witness in Samaria to people hostile to the Jews. The way to turn enemies into friends is to make them brothers and sisters in Christ. In times of great blessing, wherever God sows true seed, the devil sows a counterfeit. You can just count on it. Like Peter, we must be alert and exercise real discernment. Philip left a great harvest to talk to one man. But you see, that is the mark of a true servant of the Lord. We must go where God sends us, do what God tells us, and then leave the results with Him. And now let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. June 12th, Acts chapter 8, verses 14 through 40. When the apostles back in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new Christians to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given when the apostles placed their hands upon people's heads, he offered money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, May your money perish with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right before God. Turn from your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps He will forgive your evil thoughts. For I can see that you are full of bitterness and held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things won't happen to me. After testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, and they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news to them too. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south, down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he did, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. So he asked, Do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, How can I, when there is no one to instruct me? And he begged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of Scripture he had been reading was this. He was led 
as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Was Isaiah talking about himself or someone else? So Philip began with this same scripture, and then used many others to tell him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the city of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every city along the way until he came to Caesarea. Today we're reading Psalm 130, verses 1 through 8. As you ponder this psalm, see yourself in four different situations and learn what it means to trust the mercy of the Lord. See yourself in the depths. The depths of despair overwhelm you. You're drowning, and all you can do is cry out to God. Well, He hears and He rescues you. And as you read through this psalm, see yourself in the court. You are on trial, facing your sins, and you have no defense. The judge pays the penalty, and you are forgiven. And then see yourself in the dark. You're waiting patiently, yet it seems morning will never come. But the sun rises and God gives you the dawning of a new day. And then see yourself on the block. Yes, you're a slave, bound by your own sins. And you're about to sell yourself to a terrible master. But the Savior comes and purchases you and sets you free. What a wonderful salvation you have. Paul is praying a prayer for the believers there. And he says, I heard about your faith in the Lord and your love for all the saints. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And in verse 17, he tells us what he's praying for. He gives us a list of things. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, that you would know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. God placed all things under his feet, appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So what we see is Paul showing us a few truths. First of all, Christ has all power. God has placed all things under his feet. I want you to think about that with me this morning. His authority, his dominion, his title over every other ruler in all of history. Not one current event that we see on CNN is not under the authority of Christ. The violence we're seeing going on in the West Bank right now as we pray for believers there, it's all under the feet of Christ. So we see that Christ has all power. But look at this next truth. The church has the fullness of Christ. And that word literally means to fill completely. So the church 
has all that Christ has. The fullness of Christ dwells in the church. And you put those two truths together and look what you get. Christ has all power. The fullness of Christ is in the church. Don't miss this. That means that all the authority of Christ and all the universe belongs to who? It belongs to the church. Think about that. If Christ has it all, and we have all of Christ, then we've got it all. All authority, all power, all dominion, everything that is Christ belongs to us. He shares it with us. We share His resurrection, His, his crucifixion, His ascension, His exaltation, and His authority. Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples because you have my authority in you. I want you to look over at 1 Corinthians. So then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all of them are yours. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. And he's reminding them, you possess the authority of Christ. Everything that is His belongs to you. I remember when I uh, was, was getting married to Heather. December 18th, 1999. I, she's a year older than me, married an older woman. So uh, she, she had finished up college. I actually was finishing up, and the semester before we got married, I was finishing up. And so that meant I was a college student, living on college income, eating a lot of ramen noodles, and just kind of making my way, just working as hard as I could at school, and that, therefore I didn't have an income coming from anywhere else. As a result, like many college students, no cash flow whatsoever, all right? No, no real income as a result of the ramen noodles. That's the picture for me as I'm preparing to get married. Heather, on the other hand, had graduated, and she'd gotten a job teaching. That meant she had cash flow. She had an income coming in. She had money in her bank account. So on December 18th, 1999, we stand at the altar and we join our lives together. Now on that day, I received some incredible things. Most importantly, a beautiful wife. But you know what else I received on that day? Cash flow. One minute, no income. The next minute, income. One minute, nothing in my bank account. The next minute, I got money in the account. Simply by uniting my life with her, everything that was hers became mine. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a much greater truth for you this morning based on God's Word. When you unite your life with Christ, everything that is His, His holiness, His redemption, His mercy, it's all yours. His power, His authority, His grace, it all belongs to you. We possess the authority of Christ. And I want us to be a church that lives like So the people come to Christ, so the gospels advance, so the nations know the goodness of God. That's what He wants to do. And He's given us His authority to do it. Let's start living like we've got this authority. We possess the authority of Christ, the fullness of Him. Psalm 130, verses 1 through 8, a song for the ascent to Jerusalem. From the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. Hear my cry, O Lord. Pay attention to my prayer. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, 
Who, O Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness, that we might learn to fear you. I am counting on the Lord, yes, I am counting on him. I have put my hope in his word. I long for the Lord, more than centuries long for the dawn. Yes, more than centuries long for the dawn. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is unfailing love and an overflowing supply of salvation. He himself will free Israel from every kind of sin. Proverbs 17, verses 2 and 3. A wise slave will rule over the master's shameful sons and will share their inheritance. Fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Thank you.